Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me is Pastor Adam Moline. We are privileged to serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. At Home in Your Hymnal is a program designed to be uh, one to help you to be at home in your Lutheran faith, to be at home in your hymnal, who you are and why you are as a Lutheran Christian, and also the theology and practice of Lutheran worship. We want people to be at home in their hymnal in the divine service. We want people to be at home in their hymnal, teaching the truths of the faith in the home with their family, uh, individual devotions. We've... um, Got lots and lots of programs archived for you. This is episode 48. We're looking at hymnody in the church, hymns every Lutheran should know. Again, that's kind of a subjective thing, but that's what we're going with right now. And uh, for the last several episodes, we were looking at Lord's Supper hymns. And now as we get uh, closer and closer to our celebration and uh, Remembrance of Reformation Day. For the next uh, several episodes, we're going to be looking at Reformation hymns. You may have heard in the intro coming into our program an organ prelude for LSB 666. Um, That uh, that in and of itself is a uh, great story there. But LSB 666, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. It is a hymn that has a long, long, rich history and heritage in Lutheranism. And uh, it is a uh, church militant hymn, which means a uh, church that is fighting. Militant, military, we'll get a chance to talk about that in a little bit. Pastor... um, The fact that this particular hymn ended up as number 666 in our LSB hymnal. Uh, Your your thoughts on that, I can't help but think about that and smile and chuckle. Well, I mean, it's not accidental at all. Of course, we have in uh, the book of Revelation the number of the beast being 666. And when you have a good hymnal with a good number of hymns in there, you have to have one that's that number. And so the uh, the authors, the compilers of the LSB uh, hymnal purposely put this hymn uh, at that number so that it would kind of um, stick it to Satan or uh, you know tell him where to go, uh, let him know that we as Christians are not afraid of him because we have victory in Jesus. And even if he kill us, yet shall we live. And that's the good news that we have in Christ. And so... Why not to advertise it where people will look for those uh, things that maybe don't seem to add up and match? Yeah, you have a lot of people, uh, especially those who are uh, maybe newbie Christians or uh, know a little bit about the Christian faith but aren't Christians. They're enamored with the book of Revelation. They're enamored with the signs and symbols and numbers of Revelation. And uh, you'll hear people talking about 666 and the mark of the beast. And uh, the first time I saw a copy of LSB, and I saw that this hymn was 666. I just, I had to smile. Smile from ear to ear. Whoever came up with that particular idea, they did a marvelous job. What a uh, what a masterful blending of hymn and number in a hymnal. O little flock, fear not the foe. Uh, it is uh, attributed to a couple of different authors. There's kind of a little... Um, I don't know, story, controversy, uh, confusion with regard to this. And the, uh, 
the historical narrative behind this is really quite fascinating. If you look in uh, LSB, it will say that a gentleman by the name of Jacob Fabricius. 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 Okay, well, thank you. 1593-1654. And uh, then the tune was translated by uh, Catherine Winkworth. The uh, German tune, uh, or the tune is a German tune uh, attributed to uh, 1534. And then in parentheses, in, uh, L- or in TLH, it says 1400. And so it's just kind of an old German tune. The uh, TLH attributes the authorship to Johann M. Altenberg. And so, Pastor, uh, before we dig into the stanzas of LSB 666, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe, can you help sort some of this uh, historical stuff out for us. Yeah, and in fact, I'd say there's a third possible author that it's attributed to sometimes, and that's the Swedish king Gustavus Adolphus, uh, the Great, in fact, uh, who uh, it was made main figure in the Thirty Years' War. You're and, just saying that because you're part Swedish. Well, I do have a little bit of Swedish there. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> he he is a very important figure historically. I'm just and, joking. Um, you know that. Uh, th- so we have these three possible authors, and the reason that they're all kind of connected here is because they're all united in this Thirty Years' War uh, picture. And so we, we have to kind of get an idea of what's going on in the Thirty Years' War. There's uh, this, this war is a really important thing for modern history and for who we are today as human beings. Uh, it's fought from 1618 until 1648. Uh, hence the name, the 30, 30 Years' War. Wow. And uh, it begins as a conflict between Catholics and Lutherans, and it really has its origins in that regard all the way back into the Reformation, the Lutheran Reformation, because uh, when the Holy Roman Empire uh, began to have Lutherans popping up in it, some of its rulers became Lutheran and some of its rulers stayed Catholic. And there was really not a good way then to divvy things up in a way that was uh, respected by all, especially if you're a Catholic ruler and you have some Lutherans or a majority of Lutherans in your land, uh, there's a little bit of conflict, which led to uh, 1555 Peace of Augsburg. Uh, And uh, part of this whole concept was they came up with this idea that whatever the religion of your ruler was, that had to be your religion if you lived in his kingdom. And this didn't always sit very well with the people who were being forced to worship in a different way than they wanted to. And this this lays the foundation for the United States in having the freedom of religion, you know, things like the 30 yeah. Years' War. Imagine what, what that would be like if the governor of your state determined what church you went to on Sunday morning, or the mayor of your community determined what faith, what religion you had. I mean, that is just that is just insane yeah. to think about that, and yet this was a very, very uh, dear reality that the people had to fight through. Uh, do you follow your your politics? Do you follow your your faith? Do you follow your conscience? Do you follow the Bible? What do you do? And uh, to to hear how that helped form the founding uh, fathers of our country 
with regard to that freedom of religion is is a fascinating topic in and of itself. Didn't mean to steal your thought. No, process. no, and that's it's it's really important that we know that uh, because this Thirty Years' War then really becomes a historical importance to our own nation existing the way that it does today, and and yet we probably don't learn anything about it uh, in school because it's not that. Uh, that well talked about. So to get back to the, the Thirty Years' War here, in 1618, the Catholics and the Lutherans got together to visit about some things in the city of Prague, uh, which at that time was a part of the Holy Roman Empire. And uh, they had a little bit of a disagreement as they were meeting in the uh, uh, the top floor the uh, uh, of this building. And so... A, a little tiny disagreement. A little right? tiny disagreement that led to... And this is the part that I really love... The third defenestration of Prague. When that defenestration, if you know your Latin or your French or German um, or German, fenestra uh, is a window, and a defenestra would mean you're thrown out the window. And so um, they were; these Lutherans ended up throwing uh, the Catholic representative out of the window after he read this letter. Um, the man they threw out the window, and it's, it's not the first floor window. It's like the third or fourth floor that they throw him out of. The man they threw out of the window survived the fall down to the ground. The I think we'd mentioned this a while ago. The Lutheran said because he landed in a pile of horse manure. Uh, the Catholic said because angels grabbed him and lowered him safely to the ground. Either way, he survived, but this then led to conflict. And this is great uh, historically as well because this conflict then begins as a religious war between Catholics and Protestants. But throughout the 30 years, it morphs and it becomes um, a conflict between nation states. And in fact, the idea of nationalism arises out of the Thirty Years' War, where I find my identity not in my religion, uh, but rather in the nation state that I am a citizen of. And this leads then, as, as part of the later on, this guy, Gustavus Adolphus, who was the king of Sweden. And he becomes a major figure in the war. And in fact, the, the Lutherans are losing badly until Swedish Lutheran King Gustavus Adolphus comes in and uh, begins to use, you know, firing fields and uh, uh, different uh, methods and tactics to different kick military the Lutherans, yes. or, to, to help the Lutherans win and defeat the Catholics. And um, the tradition then, back to get back to the hymn before our break, the tradition is is that this is a marching song of the army of Gustavus Adolphus, and that they also knelt down and sang it before the Battle of Breitenfeld. The whole army sang it from memory before they won their very first Lutheran victory uh, in the Thirty Years' War at the Battle of Breitenfeld. Uh, and so that's the the, the conflict. Now, uh, Jacob Furbicius is the chaplain, the army chaplain for Gustavus Adolphus' Swedish army. Uh, Gustavus Adolphus is the king who's leading the army and demanded that they sing this hymn. And uh, and so that's why there's a little bit of confusion, but we know that it comes out of that 30 years war in that way. So he more than likely, Gustavus Adolphus more than likely commissioned yes. the uh, pastor, the chaplain 
for the army yes. to write this hymn. That's more than likely what happened. And there's some some other historical uh, questions about that. Pastor, before we go into our break, you want to read stanza one. We'll hear stanza one going into our break, and then we'll uh, examine it when we come back. Sure. O little flock, fear not the foe, who madly seeks your overthrow. Dread not his rage and power, and though your courage sometimes faints, his seeming triumph o'er God's saints lasts but a little hour. All right, let's hear stanza one. O little flock, fear not the foe, LSB 666. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We are looking at the hymn, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe, LSB 666. In our first segment, uh, Pastor Moline dazzled us with the historical um, information with regard to much of the background of this hymn, the questions of authorship, the importance of the Thirty Years' War, not only in the writing of this hymn, but for many aspects of church and state here in America. Uh, that that history is just uh, fascinating to me. I, uh, I want to delve into a little bit more of that later on in our program if we have time. But uh, it's a short hymn, four short verses, and that's what uh, that's what is traditionally attributed to this hymn. This is what we believe was the battle hymn that the Lutherans sang quite often as uh, they went into battle during the Thirty Years' War. It took on kind of a life of its own then and became uh, a, a strong military hymn, uh, a hymn during the Reformation uh, ideals when we are when we are fighting against false doctrine, when we're fighting against the devil, the world, and our flesh, this this uh, church that is always at war with the unholy trinity, uh, it was sung in difficult times throughout the ages. One little uh, interesting tidbit that uh, that I came across was that um, there were other verses 
that were added to this, um, and I would assume mostly non-Christian or more military verses that uh, made this a military hymn or a battle hymn. You you know you know this if you served in the military or had relatives serving in the military, how easy that is to do. Sometimes the words to the tune or words to the song uh, are not very pious as well. But uh, this was uh, often sung in battles against Napoleon. And when we're talking battles against Napoleon, we're talking 19th century there, aren't we, The, the very first part, you know, the 1800 early. to 1804-ish. Okay. Early, early 19th century. And uh, is attested by the numerous stanzas that were gradually added, three, then five, later ten, and... Uh, in one source, in 1673, there were 25 stanzas. Uh, those are not uh, saved. Those are lost to history. Maybe that's a good thing. And, and they're, they're marching verses, right? So Left, you, left, yeah, left, it, right, left. At that time, to get from you know battlefield to battlefield to camp to camp, from your camp to the battlefield, they wanted you to walk in order so you're ready to fight at a moment's notice. And so you'd sing this hymn, and that would help you keep the cadence to walk in step with all of each other. Well, let's talk about that battle that this hymn is referring to, because it's not a battle against Napoleon. It's not a battle against uh, the other forces in the Thirty Years' War. It's an ongoing battle for every Christian for all time. O little flock, fear not the foe. Help us out, Pastor. Who is the little flock and who is the foe? Well, uh, the little flock would be the Christian church, uh, us who believe in Jesus, and the foe would be Satan who prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so if we see ourselves as sheep and Satan as a lion seeking to eat us, that kind of sets the stage for what we're talking about in the hymn. Okay, so Jesus says uh, fear... Uh, uh, have no fear, little flock, for yep. the Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. And that's Luke twelve thirty-two. Luke twelve thirty-two. We also see in First Peter where the Holy Spirit through Peter warns us about that roaring lion, Satan himself, the devil, who seeks to devour us. Uh, he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. So we have that picture there again with the, uh, uh, the sheep, the shepherd, the flock, the wolf imagery. And uh, the foe who madly seeks your overthrow. What, what kind of an overthrow are we talking about here? We're not talking about a political assassination. We're not talking about ballot harvesting or anything like that. What's happening here, Pastor? Yeah, Satan's desire, his main goal uh, is to lead you away from the Christian faith so that you have to go to hell like he does. And, and the way to think about it is, you know, when you got in trouble as a kid, uh, Pastor Poppy, and your mom caught you and you know you were going to get busted, uh, what you always did is you said, well, uh, and what's your older brother's name? Lynn, Lynn and Gerald. Yeah, so you always said, well, it's not my fault. Lynn and Gerald did it too, right? And they could have gotten off scot-free, and you could have taken the punishment for the team, but you didn't like that, so you made sure everybody got in trouble altogether. And that's the same thing that Satan's doing. He knows he's bound for hell, but he doesn't want to be there alone. He wants to stick it in the eye of God by leading you to hell as well. Uh, yeah, sadly, that's pretty close to true, uh, almost uh, verbatim. Um, 
that last part of the second line, dread not his, the foe's, rage and power. Does the foe, uh, you know, we see the rage of Satan. Does, does the foe actually have any power? Well, uh, it looks like he does in this world, right? I mean, we're, we're dealing that with a, in a lot of ways right now with the conflict and the disagreements in our society. It looks like Satan is in control and that we are really falling apart. Um, but that's all just a facade because the truth is Jesus has already won by dying and rising from the dead. Uh, and we already have victory guaranteed to us through our baptism and through the hearing of God's word. And so while it might look like things are not going well, uh, it, it looks like Satan's in charge even though he's not. The uh, next line says, and though your courage sometimes faints. Now, we've, we've got uh, courage and fear in uh, juxtaposition to themselves. Is, is, that, a, uh, is that a proper, uh, the opposite of fear is courage, the opposite of, of courage is fear? Is that fair? Um, I mean, there's a little bit there. I think, I think people who are courageous can also be afraid. Right. And so we right now, whether we want to admit it or not, we are a little afraid. Right. We're afraid because there's a virus that we might. I mean, it's not hugely likely, but we might die from it. And that makes us a little fearful. There's a election coming up and we're a little fearful about what the future of our country will be, no matter who wins. Right. Uh, because we're all at each other's necks. Uh, we're a little fearful when our loved one gets a diagnosis of cancer or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease. We're a little fearful of all these things. Um, and yet we are Christ's people. He's our Lord. He is caring for us as he has promised. And so sometimes we have the courage to keep going day by day in the face of all these challenges, and sometimes that courage is a little weaker. Um, and yet it, it, it's true throughout it all that we are God's possession. And uh, one of the beauties of this hymn is it's not saying, oh, don't worry, be happy. Right. It takes seriously the fact that there is a battle going on. And yet in the midst of that battle where there are really, really strong dangers and great fears, we can be confident because of something outside of us. Right. Uh, at the very end, it says, uh, his seeming triumph, again, talking about the foe, the devil, his seeming triumph or God's saints lasts but a little hour. What are we talking about here, Pastor? Well, uh, we're now getting to what w the ultimate fear that we have just a little bit is, which is death, right? That we're going to die, and we don't know what's going to happen on the other side of that. I mean, we have no 100% sure uh, idea, and so we're a little afraid of it. And when we die or our loved one dies, it looks like Satan has won, like we've been defeated and destroyed. And yet the beauty is that uh, death is only going to last a little while. And, uh, you know, the grave that our body will be placed in is not a final rest resting place. It's a uh, temporary resting place, and God will raise us from the dead on the last day and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Well said. Very well said. Pastor, let's, uh, let's take a look at stanza two, and uh, then hopefully we'll have enough time. We can uh, hear the words of stanza two and then listen to stanza two as we go into our next break. Be of good cheer, your cause belongs to him who can avenge your wrongs. Leave it to him, our Lord. 
Though hidden yet from mortal eyes, his Gideon shall for you arise, uphold you and his word. Okay, we've got uh, kind of a continuation of the theme that uh, was introduced in stanza one. Um, You know, when we are fearful, oftentimes uh, there is no happiness, no joy or cheer. And so the, the hymn writer is encouraging us to be of good cheer. Your cause belongs to him who can avenge your wrongs. Pastor, uh, that, that's a, a beautiful poetic uh, line in that hymn, but this is more than pretty poetry. What are we talking about here? What is the cause? Who is the hymn? And what is this avenging the wrong thing? Well, um, the one that, to him, who can avenge our wrongs, the him, of course, is God. And, and so we think of verses like Romans twelve nineteen, where it says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. In other words, we don't need to avenge ourselves. We don't need to uh, take ourselves out or even things out with the people who have wronged us because God is going to even everything out uh, for us in two ways. First off, he does it in the person of Jesus, where all the wrongs that have been done are placed onto Christ so that he kills them. Uh, And then on the last day when we're resurrected from the dead, those things too will be kind of erased from our account. They're connected. It's not like they're two separate things. They are one thing, and yet for us it appears to be happening at two different times. And that's the way then that God himself is going to avenge all the sin that has happened in this world. So when we talk about this cause we're not we're not talking about a, a crusade uh, to to go and to conquer everyone with the club and sword of Christianity the cause is the message of the gospel the cause is uh, the the proclamation of God's word am I am I hearing that right pastor um, is that is that the direction we're going yeah, uh, well, that's. I think that's a part of it. Your cause. Uh, what's the What's the thing you're fighting for? What's the thing that uh, uh, you, you know matters? And he's saying your cause. The reason that you fight, or the reason that we struggle in this world, isn't so that we can get even with people. Rather, God's going to take care of that. Uh, our cause is that uh, God has given us life and all that we have and takes care of us and promised to redeem us. And so uh, that's the thing that's most important to us. That's our cause. All right. Thank you. Let's hear stanza two as we go into our second break.
Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is episode 48. We are looking at the hymn LSB 666, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. In our first part of this particular episode, we spent a great amount of time looking at the history behind this hymn, especially the history of Gustavus Adolphus and the Thirty Years' War. In uh, part two, we looked in great detail at stanza one and introduced stanza two. That's what you heard, uh, stanza two, as we came back from our break, and uh, we're about halfway through taking a look at that particular stanza. Pastor, in stanza two, it goes, be of good cheer. Your cause belongs to him who can avenge your wrongs. Leave it to him, our Lord. And then we have, though hidden yet from mortal eyes. What is the theology behind uh, something that is absolutely true, valid, um, real, but hidden from our eyes? What's, what's uh, behind that little phrase in this hymn? Wow, um, a whole bunch of stuff, right? I mean, so we obviously yeah, Luther, have... Yeah, Luther talks about the hidden God the all hidden the time. The hidden God, Deus absconditus, uh, and that's the, the reality. God is operating, and yet we can't see it. Uh, Jesus is God, and yet when people saw him, he looked just like a normal human being to them. There was nothing... Uh, it's not like he glowed like he does in a lot of the artwork to depict who he is. Um, and in the Lord's Supper, we have Christ's very body and blood in with and under the bread and the wine given for us Christians to eat and drink, and yet... If you looked at it with a microscope, you're not going to find that. It's there. God promises it, but we can't prove it. It's hidden from our eyes. Same with baptism. And we could say, same with the word spoken that points people to Christ. The Holy Spirit is there in that word, and yet we can't actually notice it. And so all these things that God does to create and sustain faith are really hidden from our eyes, and yet we know that it really is happening. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And there is so much in the Christian life where we cling to God's word and cling to God's promises because what we see, what we hear, what we, what we feel, what's all around us seems just the opposite of God's word. And uh, as people are getting ready to go into battle, whether this is a military a picture or with it, whether this is the battle that a Christian faces each and every day of his life, that is a marvelous, marvelous word picture. I'm just astounded how much theology, how much biblical imagery is packed into every phrase, every line, every stanza here. And you made a point before uh, during our last break about why that was important, Pastor. Uh, what You want to share that with our hearers? Sure. I mean, the, the reality is this is a, a military marching song that is about Christ. So it is a hymn. It's about Christ, but it's for the military people who are going to go line up next to each other uh, while cannons are firing towards them and musket balls are flying over their heads. They're going to carry a pike and they're going to try and stab it into another person who's going to try and stab them with a pike. You don't know if you're going to live or if you're going to die. It's all kind of up in the air uh, and seemingly random. And so you don't have time to waffle around. The, the simple way we say that today is there are no atheists in foxholes. And, and the same idea needs to be true for these people fighting in the 30 years war. This is, uh, this is no time for... Uh, our God is an awesome God, or uh, uh, 
What are, oh, any of those little ditties that you sang at camp? Where, where if if Jesus isn't for me when I'm going to kick the bucket violently and painfully, uh, I really don't have time for that. Uh, you know, and yeah. So uh, absolutely. And uh, the last little part on uh, stanza two, it says, uh, though hidden yet from mortal eyes, His meaning God's Gideon shall for you arise, uphold you and his word. What's this Gideon thing all about, Pastor? Yeah, Gideon is a judge uh, from the book of Judges, chapters 6 and 7, and uh, he's the one that, uh, he's also known as Jerubbabel. He's an important figure in the, the book of Judges. Um, he's the one that um, uh, the army gets together to go and fight the uh, the Midianites who are oppressing the people of Israel, and they uh, uh, keep on getting rid of the people by the lapping of water, you know, those who lap like a dog send home, and those who, you know... God keeps paring down yeah. the military, you know, so right. instead of this huge force uh, where he's going to overwhelm them with numbers, God keeps making the group and the force smaller and smaller and smaller. And then they sneak up uh, with their torches hidden, the light hidden from their torches, and break them at night, and uh, the Midianites end up killing themselves mostly out of fear uh, because the Lord is on the side of Gideon. And, it, it, I mean, this is all connected too, that this event takes place on the hill of Morah, which is where Abraham received promises from God. It's where the village of Nain is located and the village of Shunem, where people were raised from the dead. And so in this mention of Gideon, we're seeing Gideon as a type of foreshadowing for the person of Jesus, who is going to defeat our enemies and be a military leader for us in the battle of our soul, uh, and so it's bringing that idea to bear here in that that word. And as we uh, read that account in Judges, we know that Gideon, per, uh, humanly, uh, human Gideon was not perfect. He uh, he had his doubts and worries too, and God had to teach him with the fleece. Uh, that he could actually trust in God with his life and with his soul. And then thus bolstered, he leads the people into battle, this great Christ figure for us. And uh, uh, there are very, very few hymns that bring Gideon into play. And this is one, and it does it in an amazing way. Uh, Pastor, we got to move on to stanza three. Do you want to read those words for us, please? As true as God's own word is true, not earth nor hell's satanic crew against us shall prevail. There might a joke, a mere facade, God is with us and we with God, our victory cannot fail. Um, I'll be honest, this is my favorite verse in this hymn. It's the one that we ought to sing a whole lot more right now in this world, right? Um, you know, is God's word true? Yes. And so... You know, even though it looks like hell and Satan are victorious in the world, they're not. You belong to Jesus. Trust that. Believe that. Uh, every time I sing this hymn, and just when you read those words, Pastor, I got shivers up and down my spine. There might a joke. I'm not sure that there are four better, more power-packed words in our entire hymnal than those four words right there in uh, stanza three, six, six, six. O little flock. Fear not the foe. Let's uh, let's analyze this a little bit before we go into our uh, next uh, break, Pastor. As true as God's own word is true, uh, it seems to me that the Lutherans 
um, at the time of the Reformation and beyond, had had kind of a little saying. This uh, this Latin saying, I've heard you say it in uh, on your Bach uh, program as well. VDMA. What is that all about? Yeah, uh, VDMA is uh, uh, the acronym for Latin phrase Verbum Domini Manat in Eternum, uh, which means the word of the Lord endures forever, which is an exact quote from Scripture in several places. Uh, several it's not places, just one place. Isaiah, Peter, and mm. then a couple others as well. And, and so that's the idea, is that God's word is the truth. And, and I mean, it's even more than just that, because we have to understand how the world came into existence. God spoke and it happened. We And so the reason there is a creation is because God's word is true. And so as true as there's a table is the truth that God's word said, let there be a table or a tree or a fish, right? Um, we also then have the idea from John's gospel that Jesus is the word of God uh, who became flesh and dwelt among us and uh, we have seen his glory. That's the truth as well. Jesus is God's word. And then we get the um, crucifixion and the resurrection that we talk about Jesus. We can't do that without thinking about those things. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead. We also have the idea that we come to faith by hearing the word that is preached and taught. Uh, And so in all these ways, God's word works miracles for us each and every day. It is true, and we trust that and believe that. And that same trust and belief is also the belief that earth and hell cannot conquer us because we belong to that word. And maybe I'm getting too philosophical here but that's the truth we believe no you're you're not philosophical and that's exactly where this stanza three of this hymn takes us because god's word is true and and you expounded that beautifully uh first article second article third article that's what we christians believe teach and confess and when we're talking about the word we're certainly talking about the bible but not only the bible we're not going to limit it to the bible because the bible does not limit that word word to the bible and with all of those things being true creation preservation, redemption, justification, sanctification, with all of these things being true, we can be confident as we stand up against the devil, the world, and our flesh, because their might is a joke compared to the power of God's word. A mere facade. What's a facade, Pastor? Well, that's where you have a a fake wall that's decorated and maybe looks fancy or foreboding, and yet the reality is what's behind it is not quite as foreboding or fancy. Uh, And that's the truth with Satan. He looks like he's really mean and big and bad. And I I don't want to downplay it. Don't mess around with Satan, right? You're just human being. But compared to God, He's he's. I, I said this in a sermon the other day. He's the biggest loser ever. <laughs> um, and I think of a, a a Hollywood set. Yeah, a Hollywood set that is fake and phony. And every once in a while, especially if you're watching an old Blazing beat, Saddles, is a good example. There, but. there you go. There, there are a few movies that make fun of it, but there's a few old B movies, uh, westerns from the 30s and 40s, where you know somebody hits a wall and then the whole wall falls down and exposes what's behind, and they didn't have enough time or money to cut that out. Uh, that's the might of the devil, the world, and our flesh. Ultimately, it right. may hurt, it may bite, but ultimately, that's what it is. God is with us, and we with God. Now, Pastor, we could expound for hours 
on that line right there. I'm going to give you about 20 seconds. Well, I'd, I'd just go back to the words of uh, Matthew 28, uh, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And, of course, there's many other places where God promises that, and the hymn here is uh, reminding us of that promise. In uh, uh, Scripture, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Specifically, we're talking about the incarnation of Jesus, like you mentioned before. The Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. All right, let's, uh, let's listen to stanza three, LSB 666, as we go into our next break. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Come join us for worship, 8 and 10.30 on Sunday morning, Wednesday evenings year-round at 6.30. As we get closer and closer to the end of the church year, to our celebration of the Reformation, uh, we'll be singing Reformation hymns quite a bit, including this one, LSB 666, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. This is episode 48. We heard, uh, once again, stanza three as we came back from our break. And uh, our victory cannot fail. With God, nothing is impossible. But the victory is not a pipe dream. The victory is guaranteed. And it's guaranteed because Christ has overcome sin, death, and the grave Easter Sunday. And we always want to keep Christ's victory in mind as we are talking about any victory that uh, we might participate in in our church militant struggles. Now, uh, we got lots to talk about yet, and uh, we want to run this hymn through the Wolf Mueller Hymn Cruncher in our uh, final segment, give our personal rating here as well. Let's uh, let's jump into stanza four, Pastor. You want to read those words? Amen, Lord Jesus, grant our prayer. Great Captain, now thine arm make bare. Fight for us once again. So shall thy saints and martyrs raise a mighty chorus to thy praise forevermore. 
Amen. Amen. I always loved when I was a kid in uh, TLH. This is uh, TLH 263. When you sang that fourth hymn, you got to sing two amens right in a row because they always played the amen at the end of every hymn. It's in the hymnal that way. And uh, the words are almost exactly the same. Uh, One of the things when TLH was replaced in many Missouri Synod congregations with Lutheran worship, LW, and, and we're very, very thankful for the hymnal companion of Lutheran worship. Uh, we've gotten a lot of our information, historical and otherwise, with regard to our hymns from that resource. But in Lutheran worship itself, this hymn, same tune, this hymn is barely recognizable as the same hymn. Uh, they went through a complete rewrite and retranslation of the hymn, and it is very poetic and it is very beautiful, but uh, they took out a lot of that, um, what I would refer to as harsh, military, militant kind of language. And um, it's, uh, I, I don't even like to sing it. It's just, it's just different. And so I'm so thankful that LSB brought it back uh, verbatim from TLH. Uh, it's very clever that they put it as 666 as well. The uh, fourth verse here, amen, Lord Jesus, grant our prayer. Well, if you were wondering in the first three stanzas who the God is that this hymn is referencing, stanza four makes that clear by naming Jesus as our Lord. But I want to focus on that next line. It says, great captain, now thine arm make bare, fight for us once, once again. Jesus as our great captain, Jesus making his arm bare, Jesus fighting for us once again. Thoughts on that, Pastor? Well, I I think, I mean, in the first sense of the original use of this hymn, when you're about to fight a battle, you want Jesus to be on your side, and that was the Thirty Years' War, the beginning of it. What that's the question: Is Jesus on the uh, Lutheran side or is he on the Catholic side? Uh, as it uh, moves forward, and now we're singing that hymn now, we're thinking as well about uh, we want Jesus to be fighting for us as we go throughout all the challenges and difficulties of this world and uh, all the pain and suffering that we face. We want Christ on our side, and so we we pray for that and we ask that he would be. Uh, and thine arm made bare, I think, is a reference then if we're understanding Christ fighting for us in this world to the cross and death and resurrection that Jesus uh, went through, and that's where the revelation of who God is as the right hand of God who acts gloriously and uh, saves people uh, is made most clear is when Jesus bleeds and dies and rises again. The uh, book of Isaiah especially gives this uh, word picture of God making his arm bare and defeating the enemies. Jesus certainly does that on the cross on Good Friday, and now we want him with us as we fight the devil, the world, and our flesh in our daily battles. And so uh, I, think, I think it's an awesome, awesome word picture for us once again. That last part then, to finish it up, so shall thy saints and martyrs raise a mighty chorus to thy praise forevermore. Amen. You know, Pastor, I'm thinking of the post-communion, or not the, uh, the the proper preface 
in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, where we pray with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying, holy, holy, holy. Um, saints, martyrs, us, is that, uh, is that a similar word picture that we're talking about here? Yeah, I, th- I think it is. Um, I think it's more than that, too, because I think this is um, directly referencing uh, that on the last day he will raise all the dead from their graves and he will give eternal life to me and all believers in Jesus Christ, with the idea being that even if you're killed in the battle, yet will you live because of God and Jesus. And so that's comfort if you're a soldier fighting in a battle, yes, and it's a comfort to us if we're a Christian living in a world that's after us also. And I think there's the key, right? Even if this world kills you. And by the way, yes, it will, uh, unless Jesus returns first. Uh, the promise is, is that you'll get up from the dead, and it's only but a sleep, uh, temporary, um, what can I say, a temporary setback for you in the sense that you're going to be raised just as Jesus is the first fruits from the dead. And that is the emphasis on uh Revelation 7, you know, uh, one of the great features of LSB is it's, it's certainly not comprehensive, but the, the major scriptural references of the hymn are printed out in tiny, tiny little print down in the corner, and the tiny, tiny print references in uh, LSB 666, Luke 12:32, we talked about already, 2 Timothy 4:18, Luke 18, 7-8a, and then one of Pastor Moline's favorite sections, Revelation 7, <laughs> 9 to 17. Before we run through the hymn cruncher, let's listen to stanza 4, LSB 666, O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. That's a hymn that just sends shivers up my spine, not only verse 3, but uh, the, uh, the, the battle imagery, the victory over sin, death, and the grave, um, the confidence that Christians are to have. I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to uh, Higher Things Incorporated for making this available on YouTube. That was a recording from the Bread of Life Conference, Higher Things, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 2016, and we're, uh, we're thankful that that was uh, made available uh, online for us to uh, to use in our program today. Pastor, we've been through the four stanzas. Let's go through the Wolf Mueller hymn cruncher and uh, try to be a little bit objective here on how this hymn fares. Is Jesus mentioned? Uh, yes, he is. Uh, he's called Lord. I mean, so that's the reference to Jesus. He's not named I'm not sure it says the word Jesus, but we are talking about Jesus in the yeah, hymn. Yeah, stanza four says Jesus. He's our great captain. Oh, there we go, yeah. Um, 
Uh, clarity is the song clear uh, sentences or sentence fragments uh, it is clear. Um, I'd say the only danger to that is that it is so much packed into it that uh, uh, the clarity of everything in there probably takes a little bit of thinking, but it is clear in preaching the gospel. Mysticism, subjectivity versus objectivity. It is. Uh, it fits this one perfectly. It is very uh, objective. You don't have to have some special thing within you to understand it. It is clear in that regard. Law and gospel. Yes, very well divided. Yes, and uh, the fact that Christians are at times uh, fearful and worried and doubting uh, is very much a, a product of, uh, of the law and how the confidence comes from the victory that Christ has won for us over sin, death, and the grave. I thought that was beautiful. And Pastor, uh, number five, the uh, clincher there, any explicit false teaching? None. None whatsoever. So, Pastor, what are you, when are you going to give this on the personal Pastor Moline 1 to 10 hymn ranking? Well, I think um, this is one that every Lutheran really should memorize and know. It's simple. It's easy. A kid can learn it, no problem. It uh, has historical roots that uh, talks about the conflicts that we had in the past. And, and that's not, it's not good that we have conflicts, but it's good that we are willing to fight those things. I, I have to give this one a 10. I really like this one. Yes, and uh, not not to be a copycat, but uh, I have to be I have to be clear clear as well. If this one is not a ten, I want to, I want you to show me one that uh, in four verses, four stanzas, has packed so much rich biblical christ-filled doctrine and theology and applied it to my life a poor miserable sinner if there's a hymn out there that has done that in a better job uh please please uh, share that with me i know salvation unto us has come 555 uh does a masterful job as well but it also does it in 10 verses 10 stanzas so these are these are short stanzas. They're easy to sing. They're easy to memorize. And I would just uh, encourage our people to uh, take a good hard look at this hymn. We're going to sing it a lot in the uh, weeks and months ahead. And uh, I it's a it's a ten for me as well, Pastor. Uh, parting parting uh, thoughts or parting shots uh, with regard to LSB six six six. O little flock, fear not the foe. Well, I guess I'd encourage people to learn about the history of the Thirty Years' War and then also to memorize this hymn. Your kids can memorize it. Uh, we had our whole congregation in North Dakota memorize it. Uh, it's just really good. Uh, learn about the illusions and the theology that it's teaching. Uh, it's worth it. Amen, amen, amen. Again, this has been episode 48 of At Home in Your Hymnal. We look forward to continuing our look at uh, hymns every Lutheran should know. We'll be back at you next time. God's richest blessings in Christ. Mm-hmm.